Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga and the creator of the Momentum Magic Method, showing you the way to becoming a confident teacher who seamlessly shares cues and easily creates sequences, whose classes feel like events, who understands anatomy and who shares their passion in a unique and authentic way. On the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. In addition to the podcast, follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. Let's get into the episode. Hi there. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 251. So I am recording this on, let's see, Thursday, July 27th, and this will go live on Monday, which believe it or not, is August, I don't know, August, oh no, July 31st. So not exactly August yet. Um, so as usual, I record on Thursdays, I post on Mondays, you can always depend on me for a fresh new episode every Monday. So set your reminders, have Monday be the day that you and I connect here on the podcast. And I promise I will always have fresh new content for you. So in today's episode, it's going to be an interview. I love doing interviews. And I love this one because it's about mindset. And I can definitely tell you, after years of working with teachers one-on-one inside my program, it's not all about the technical skills. A large part of being a confident teacher comes uh, with tackling some of the mindset, some of the mindset pieces, the beliefs that we hold. There's so much I could say about this, and I've certainly covered it on other episodes, but today I'm excited because I have an expert coming on, an expert in mindset. Her name is Diana Sophia, and Diana Sophia is a subconscious reprogramming coach. Now, before you think about, like, I don't really know what that means, number one, she's going to explain it when we go uh, on to that conversation. And the other thing I want you to think about is how many things we do as yoga teachers that are driven by beliefs that we have rather than us being in the driver's seat, doing the thing because we know it's the right thing to do. And there's so many things that fall into this category. We could be changing our sequence all the time out of some false belief that we need to be doing that to keep it exciting for our students. We could be practicing with our classes all the time out of a false belief that our students need the visual anchor of us up there in front of the class on the yoga mat in order to get the most out of their practice. There's so many things we could be feeling like there's a belief that we have that we need to have 500 hours of formal teacher training in order to be a qualified teacher. All of those things are beliefs and they all live either in our subconscious and we're doing things without even being aware of the belief that's driving us to do these things or we're not even aware of it, or we are aware of it, but we're not empowered to change what we're doing. So in this episode, Diana, who is a yoga teacher as well, we go into a lot of this. So this is gonna be one of those episodes where get out your notebooks, write down some notes. Diana is also a great person to follow on Instagram because she has a lot of good content there. And this is really sort of a continual thing. 
to really keep the mind clear so that when we go in to teach our classes, we are in the driver's seat. We are doing things with intentions that we have. We're not being driven by other people or other people's perceptions of us or pressures we put on ourselves. We are there because we love teaching yoga. We are confident that we are making an impact on our students and we are clear and able to teach in a way where we not only are skilled, but we are confident. And again, we are in the driver's seat. So with that, we're gonna flip over to that interview I had just the other day with Diana Sophia. Here we go. Hello. Hello, how are you? I am good, how are you? Very good. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Yes. I was just thinking today, I wanted to start by sharing with people how I was inspired to ask you on to the show. And yeah. I was thinking to myself, oh, let me remember what that was because it was a while back and we yeah. were going back and forth to set it up. And so I want to just share with the listener that you and I, you actually attended, you actually didn't attend, you presented at a virtual training that I was part of, an mm -hmm. entrepreneurs group. And I, as soon as you started presenting, I was thinking to myself, I really want her on my podcast because everything that you are having us do, and I don't know sort of where this interview will go, if you'll take mm -hmm. us through brief exercise. I think that might actually be fun. But I was thinking as you were presenting, oh, this would be such a great conversation to have on my show. So thank you so much for inspiring me then. And I'm sure that you will do it again here uh, in our conversation today. Yes, thank you so much for the opportunity. It is my absolute pleasure to just like talk about all these different topics, you know, of, uh, that hold back entrepreneurs or anyone really that is uh, trying to deliver their gift with the world. And that, that is my specialty, just focusing on like uncovering and releasing any blocks, you know, that may stop people from really showing up in their businesses, really showing up for the career or the the talents that they have, you know, that, yes. that they want to deliver into the world. So yeah, yeah this is my pleasure. Awesome. Well, maybe a good place to start. Of course, my main um, listener, the, the primary mm -hmm. type of person who listens to my show is a yoga teacher. And so all that I do is focused on helping yoga teachers be their most confident, authentic teacher. And while that may sound like a pie in the sky goal, um, it really is connected in, in my approach of teaching teachers to not only having certain skills, but also having cert a certain mindset. And you're going to help us today, I know, with the mindset piece, because so many of the conversations I have with teachers don't always involve not having skills, although it might, although it always seems to involve having some sort of mindset block that prevents yeah. a teacher from walking in a room, teaching a yoga class, and, and being comfortable in front of other people, in, in yeah. not worrying about what people think think about them. I had a yoga teacher write me today and she said, I worry that someone's thinking, what is she doing up there? And so there's just a lot of those thoughts that 
honestly, I've spoken to teachers who took a training years ago and have been stuck in this fear for years. And they'll write me and they'll say, I took a training, I spent thousands of dollars. And ever since I graduated, I've just been so afraid to put myself in front of people that I haven't put any of it to use. So that's sort of the backdrop. Why don't we start by having you share with the listener who you are, um, and as our mutual friend James Wedmore would say, who you are, what do you do, and how do you help them? So let's start yeah. there. Yes, and it's like I was kind of like you know like smiling and and almost like laughing because it's like this is the same thing. So like I work just to, to give you a little picture into like who I am, what I do, and all that stuff. So my name is Diana Sofia. I am a subconscious reprogramming coach, and I help specifically <clears throat> coaches and online entrepreneurs and just personal brands who want to put themselves out there, which is, I feel like, very similar to exactly the people that you are helping, right? It's like anyone that has to show up somewhere to put themselves out there, to put their, you know, like expertise, talent, or whatever it is that they have, like, get certified on in front of our people will have you know to face fear and imposter syndrome and self-doubt and all these different things so my specialty as a subconscious reprogramming coach helping coaches and online entrepreneurs and just anyone that has a personal brand is exactly that is the mindset of like the mindset behind becoming visible letting yourself be seen putting your gifts and your talents and, you know, your expertise out there, handling all the mindset and mind drama that comes comes as a result of putting yourself out there, uh, doing self-promotion, selling, pitching, you know, like anything that has to do with basically making your business successful, right? Because we are not uh, out in the world like marketing ourselves or selling you know like or some somebody has to to do that right or at least teaching you know like in in the case of your the people that you help right these uh, yoga teachers that want to put had the heart and the desire and the nudge to go and get a certification because they know how yoga has impacted them and their lives and how amazing it has been that journey I feel like so I, I, I think we kind of briefly talk, talked about this, but I used to be a yoga teacher. So I totally understand 100% what it feels like to get the certification, to study, and then feel like, okay, now what? You know, this is so scary, right? To just put yourself out there. So it is exactly that same, um, same mindset that a business owner, a coach will need in order to put themselves out there, put their idea, uh, ideas, expertise out there. So it's like, uh, I pretty much serve the same um, same people and also also with the same experiences, right? Like the same mindset, uh, holdbacks that uh, that any anyone that is in this um, uh, career or like in, with this desire would have. And what I help people do is basically as a subconscious programming coach, the difference, you know, is that I can get to the root cause of you know, the issues that are holding us back and I can help people uncover what are those blocks and, you know, shift them from a subconscious level. So just so, so I just get briefly into the subconscious and unconscious, you know, like if you, you were, if we were to imagine the mind as an iceberg, 
only the tip of the iceberg is a conscious mind and it's like that part of the brain that will allow us to make plans do rational thinking you know set goals is the same part of the mind that will make us like oh you know what like i i want to achieve this goal okay perfect i'm gonna take this step and that step and i'm gonna do this and do that right it's very rational very like straightforward that subconscious mind is what is below the surface is 90 percent of our mind and is where all our beliefs, our self-concept, our identity, how we see ourselves, how we see the world, how we see our people, how we see relationships, uh, the fears and emotions that come up as a result of putting out ourselves out there. All of that, all of our programming since we were in the womb and even whatever transfer there was, you know, from our uh, ancestors or like our parents, everything, you know, it stores everything. And is this like, big data storage right with like all these different programming and that is actually what is um running the show so we think you know we are like we can control our thoughts automatic thoughts right like the things that pop in our head or the emotions that we feel like automatically and the reality is that it's our subconscious mind that is controlling that part and then we have the the faculty you know in our in our conscious mind to redirect our thoughts, to become aware of our emotions, our thoughts, our limiting beliefs, how we are thinking about ourselves, how we're thinking about teaching yoga, right? Putting ourselves in front of our people, all these different things. We can become aware of all those things and start redirecting those thoughts and emotions to more empowering ones. But I always say that even though that's incredibly powerful and useful, it has to be also paired with reprogramming the subconscious to support whatever it is that you want to do. So that exercise that I did uh, in the in the you know business um, business program that uh, where where we uh, connected is was exactly about aligning the subconscious, you know, clears clearing stuff that it was in the subconscious so that we can better align uh, the subconscious to support whatever it is that you guys wanted to achieve, right? So that's basically what I do in a nutshell. <laughs> I know people just rewire the subconscious that it, so that it supports whatever it is that they want to do. Okay, so I really like the way you explain that it's like um, there's only the tip of the iceberg sticking out and underneath the water is a lot of these, are a lot of these beliefs that hold us back. And the reason that um, that really struck me is oftentimes when I'll speak to a yoga teacher, just like you said, they can say what they want to do. And then oftentimes when we start to get, when we start to get into conversations about how I can help them, they will then back off. Yeah. And yeah. I oftentimes will say, I know that part of you must be interested in improving in this particular area or getting to teach yoga, even though it's been some time since you took your training. And I use that phrase because I, I hope people can appreciate from what you're saying. It is sort of like we have different parts of us. We can have the part of us that's above the ice, that's above the waterline. That's the part of the ice that we can see. And we can be in our rational mind saying, I want to teach yoga. I want to feel confident when I teach yoga. I want to be able to walk into the room and not worry what other people think about me. I want to be able to understand anatomy and share it in my cues. And then there's that other part that's under the waterline that's mm -hmm. like, who am I to be? I, I've never been able yeah. to learn anatomy. I've never been 
able to feel confident when I teach. So I guess I wanted to just put a bookmark in the first thing that you had mentioned in one of the things that you just mentioned to just sort of say to the person listening, you're okay to have like the action thought and at the same time, maybe not be taking action. And part of my conversation with you is I want you to help us learn ways that we can, number one, recognize we've got these different parts of us and still move forward. So how do we kind of deal with what's under the waterline, these beliefs that you say, I loved when you said earlier, mind drama. I think that Mm -hmm. I've never heard that before. I think that's such a great way to describe like you're in this state of wanting to be a better teacher, wanting to feel like a more confident teacher. And at the same time, you've got this mind drama going on because these other this other part of you is like, you can't do that. Who are you to be doing that? So tell us, tell me um, a little bit about maybe techniques or how do we get at those underlying thoughts that are below that waterline, the part of the ice we can't see? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, I love this. And I love that you actually use, you know, tell people that there's a part of them that wants to do something and there's a different part that is like, you know, kind of like resisting it and whatever. And that that's totally normal because it is, you know, yeah. and the reason there is that like there's there's sometimes that seeming uh, like that conflict, let's just say, you know, between these parts is because as I was saying that our conscious mind, you know, wants to achieve these things. And it's exactly all the things that you said, right? It's like, it wants the best for us. It wants to us to thrive. It's like the mind that is like in, you know, like wants our dreams and like all these different things. And then the other part of subconscious mind also is in charge of our survival. So that's why there's conflict, right? Because if you really think about it, when we were born, you know, and like since we were born and when we were little, we really depended on our parents or whoever our caregivers were, right? And we 100% depended on them to the point that if for any reason, you know, they didn't like us, let's just imagine in an imaginary world they didn't like us, we literally could die. So that the subconscious mind grows up knowing, you know, that it has to be light type thing, you know, so that it survives, right? So we become a little of like people pleasers of our parents so that we can receive love, so that we can receive, um, I don't know, like care and obviously food and like all these different things, right? So what happens is that obviously in the best of, this is why basically we get this conflict, you know, but basically in the best of, um wanting the best for us our parents you know like told us okay perfect like uh don't be like this don't be like that don't do this don't do that right so then we start kind of like understanding what is that our parents like or not like or what is our teachers like or not like our uh, friends at school right and we start adapting ourselves to that so then what happens we are adults we become adults right and then we want to teach in front of a yoga class you know like and there's all these people looking at us you know and then we start having that primal fear of like what if I get it wrong what if I uh, do this and that and they don't like me what if you know like uh, I don't know like I mess it up and like I make a fool of myself or like they laugh at me or whatever it is and the reality is that a part of our, our mind our primitive mind is thinking as equating that to death So that's why it feels so vulnerable. But what we know, and like actually this is exactly what the first step 
in people overcoming this and seeing it for what it is, is your subconscious mind equates all of these different things outside of your comfort zone as this. <laughs> so that's why, you know, it's throwing you like all that is like, it's basically sending you signals of fear and, you know, like discomfort and stress and all these different things that you may be feeling as you're trying to put yourself and your yoga, uh, like knowledge and classes out there, right? It's just doing that to prevent you from doing it, you know, so that it can keep you safe, you know, but with your rational mind, we know, you know, if you were to just ask anyone, it's like, do you think that you really will die if like your yoga class is not that good? It's like, not really, right? It's like kind of like, yeah, no, not really. So that's where we start kind of like really using rational, a little more rational thinking to overcome this so I would say that that's the first step is just know where those fears are coming from they're coming from from your primitive mind that is trying to keep you safe you know and it's keeping you safe by sending all these signals which is all these emotions all these thoughts of self-doubt to keep you in like kind of like shield you know so that nothing happens to you because it's equating that if something happens to you is that equal death but you and I know that teaching that yoga class that messing it up that maybe somebody you know like I don't know, going to a different class for whatever reason, you know, that doesn't equate death really. You know, it may be uncomfortable. It may, you you know, like, like anything that we do in life, we won't be good at it in the beginning. And we need to have practice. You know, we need the practice to be able to become better, right? So we are going to have to come to terms with the fact that we need to do things feeling uncomfortable in the beginning and also feeling like we maybe don't know what we're doing you know and we don't feel like the most proficient but it's just part of putting ourselves out there and putting our gifts into the world now there are things that we can do to decrease that that decrease the stress of putting us putting ourselves out there i always say you know people say like oh feel the fear and do it anyways and i say yes and you can do things to calm your nervous system and don't feel so much fear when you're putting yourself out there. And that's where I come in. So like, I'll definitely give you some, some exercises, you know, that people can do like through, throughout this basically. So basically, so basically it's that, you know, it's just like the, the soul understanding that your mind is equating this, but really there's, you're not going to die. That alone will help anyone in like realizing, oh, okay, this is why I'm feeling this fear, you know, it's because my mind thinks I'm going to die, you know, but I know I won't, you know, yeah. and then the second thing I will, uh, I would recommend to anyone, and this is something that anyone can do, is rehearsing, you know, but not just in real life, you can actually rehearse in your mind, because the mind doesn't know the the difference between real and uh, like an imagine imaginary things, you know. So when you close your eyes and you imagine yourself in front of a group, the, of in front of the class and giving the class, and feeling and seeing yourself like comfortable, you know, and seeing like everybody just like uh, moving, you know, at the rhythm that you're like um, you're pacing them right and basically following the class and being happy and all these different things and just like all of that trains your mind to think oh yeah actually I know how to do this you know we're doing it so then when you go into the class it doesn't feel like a foreign thing 
because you're already doing it in your mind. And there's actually studies about this where they send uh, athletes to rehearse in real, like kind of like in different percentages, right? In uh, real life, and in their heads, like 50-50, then 70% in imagine, like in their imagination and 25% in, in the world, like kind of in, in their physical world. And then the opposite, right? Like uh, I think it was 75% in their minds and, or anyways, the opposite of the other one. And basically they realized that the mind still was trained, you know, and actually in, in some of the studies, it outperformed the people uh, that, train in their minds and also in the physical world, outperform the other groups. So you have an incredibly powerful tool, you know, right at your fingertips, which is like closing your eyes and imagining yourself doing an amazing job. And that alone just trains your mind to not fear this thing because the more you're seeing in your mind's eye and everything is going fine, and it doesn't have to be like also, you know, like if for some people it's, um, it's I don't know, let's just say too much or too out there to imagine themselves as having the most incredible like class, you know, you can just make it okay, like an okay class. You know, everybody was fine. Everybody follows through whatever it is and everybody went home happy, you know, or like just fine, you know, and even that alone will tell your brain, oh, this is fine. Actually, you didn't die. And the more you can repeat that in your head, the more your your mind is, will stop fearing it. Yeah, yeah. I, I I love the way you're sort of, in the first suggestion you gave, you're asking, let's say it's me, you're asking me to question my fears and to sort of use logic. Mm-hmm. And I can appreciate that saying, I didn't die, makes sense because the primitive mind thinks like that. I wonder if, you know, because I think, for many yoga teachers, they know they won't die, but they feel the, the the fear of embarrassment or they fear that someone will get hurt or they fear that someone is judging them. Or if someone comes to the yoga class, that's a teacher that they know from the studio, they worry that teacher's judging them. Who does she, she's not as experienced with as I am or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like, and I guess I'm asking what you think of this along with saying like, uh, you know, if the fear comes up, oh my God, I'm not going to die. You Mm -hmm. could, I'm thinking, even say to yourself, well, what would be the worst possible outcome? Is this person, do I really think this person is on their yoga mat thinking about me? Or do I really think that I'm going to be teaching something that's so complex and difficult that someone's going to get hurt in my class? Do I really think that there's something built into yoga that makes it any more or less risky than going to the gym or even going for a run or, you know, like just sort of being the questioner almost to that part of you that's telling you these fears. So would you say that that along with the, I'm not going to die, but you could also sort of get really specific and almost like you're having a conversation with this other part of you. Yes, absolutely. And exactly what you're saying is one of the things, one of the things that I do with my clients, it's like imagining the worst case scenario, you know, know. actually even you can imagine, they can imagine, okay, imagine that I mess up, you know, and just like, okay. And then just 
open your eyes, you're not there. You know, like it's fine. You feel uncomfortable. Okay, it's fine. Just imagine that again. You know, imagine that you mess up. Imagine that there's that specific person. And also, I would say that they can pair up that imagining with deep belly breaths, you know, because belly breaths like basically activate the relaxation response. So at the same time that they are imagining being in that situation where that more advanced yoga teacher is there, right? Or where whatever, something that maybe they can leave class early. I hear that sometimes people, you know, they're so afraid, like what if some, or not so much that they think it ahead of time, but if it's happening in the moment, it will throw them way off because Mm -hmm. their assumption is the person left early because they don't like me. They don't like my class. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like the thoughts that appear, I would say that questioning them and the rationality of them, you know, it's like, I would say, okay, if you are noticing that you have a negative thought, you know, you're making, because the reality is that there's always facts, right? Someone left the room. That's a fact. But then what is the story that you're missing about that person in the room? And if that story is not empowering, then what are our 10 or stories that are empowering that you can tell yourself about that? Yeah, that don't involve you, that have nothing to do with you. Exactly. That have nothing to do with you. Exactly. And then also even thinking about your own personal experience. I have left many classes, you know, many yoga classes like earlier just because I needed to get to work, you know, so like even you, they can even put it on themselves. Like when I have left classes before, you know, why it has been or when I have been, you know, on the floor, why it has been when I have even hurt myself doing yoga, why it has been. Most likely it was because I didn't hear, you know, I didn't tune into my body. I didn't listen to myself, you know? So is it really the, the yoga teacher fault, you know, type thing? So I would say that just using your, using your rational mind to just create new stories that are more empowering, that's going to be great for the thoughts, you know? But then for the nerves that come, you know, that, that basically the somatic experience, which is like the experience in your body, right? The nervous and all the stuff. I have noticed that if you pair you know, um, a visualization exercise, a simple one where all the things that trigger you, you imagine, you know, so like the person leaving the room, the teach, the yoga teacher that is like more advanced coming into the room, you know, and you just imagine that as you are breathing, you know, from your belly with your eyes closed, then what happens is that your mind will take that as a more like, um, kind of like a more normal experience, you know, so that you won't get so nervous when those things happen or, or trigger or put off or whatever, right? Because you already imagine in your in your head how it's like to have that happen. And then you continue with a class like nothing happened, right? In your head, because that's basically rehearsing. It's rehearsing in your mind how you would want to behave and feel and think in that moment. And you can throw in there whatever it like puts... Yeah like gets you out of the flow right so those those two tools you know I would say are the most powerful that people can just do on their own Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. would you say that also applies sometimes teachers will say to me that when they scroll through Instagram and they see other yoga teachers posts that can be triggering for them if they're making up a particular story an assumption about that yoga teacher's life compared to theirs or that yoga teacher's skill compared to theirs would you say that 
you know, that deep breathing technique could also be a way along with maybe not looking at those things. I mean, some things you can't help. Like if someone comes yeah. to your class, who's someone that's triggering to you, you can't help that. But what about situations that you recognize stoke your fears? Is there mm-hmm. something around a technique that would say, don't put yourself in situations that will stoke your fears? Or is it better to just try to desensitize yourself to them? It's actually better. Okay, so like, I mean, obviously people have different schools schools of thought, but I'm going to tell you what happens in the brain when you start avoiding things. Basically, when you go out of your way to avoid things, your mind will attach more threat. We'll read that as a threat. So the more you avoid the post on Instagram or whatever it is, you know, like the reality is that your mind is just attaching more threat to it. Now, I understand that there is cases where like people can be very triggered for whatever reason, right? And I would say in those cases, you know, like, yeah, sure, you can avoid the situation. So you're like, just take care of yourself, you know, but also in those cases where people are really, really triggered, I would say like, just look for help because the or, so uh, there's layers to things, right? I I love that my clients just do have tools to work on them on themselves, you know? But then in my own personal journey, you know, like I help myself for the longest time and then I kind of hit the wall, you know? And I was like, okay, I still feel like there's something blocking me from expressing my true authenticity and like my true self online when I had to sell, when whatever, when I had to post on social media, all the things, right? And what I uncovered is that there was a lot of like very small um, like past experiences that had really that had really hurt me and wounded me, you know, like in the past. So then I was really triggered about like going out there and putting myself out there. Some people won't have that in their pasts, right? Like big experiences of rejection or um, or like bullying or like stuff like that. They won't have that. So then they won't feel all those fears. But when there's a like a very high intensity trigger in the present, most of times it's not the present situation that really is a trigger, but it's an accumulation of these events that we have been accumulating that are almost like evidence of like stories in our head that are like, oh, people don't like me, people are going to reject me, or like, you know, I am not liked or whatever, I'm not good yeah. enough, you know, yeah. so then in those cases, when somebody is really, really triggered, that self-help is like, it can only go as a certain to a certain extent you know and in those cases that is when I tell people look for someone that can clear all those uh, mm-hmm. experiences you know and reprocess those experiences with you so that they don't bother you and that can be like it doesn't have to be necessarily therapy like it, this can be done in such an easy way it's kind of like the exercise that I walk you mm-hmm. guys through that is a easy painless very light way to reprocess things from the past yeah yeah for example. So let me ask you, and I sort of feel like maybe we touched on this a little bit, but I just want to make sure coming off of this conversation we're having here that Mm -hmm. I I definitely want the listener to to get a little bit of like an action step process around this. Mm -hmm. When we were talking at the beginning about looking at the water and seeing the ice above and seeing and not seeing the ice below, and you were talking about the different sides or parts of us. 
And that oftentimes, even though our logical mind might want to do something, it's our subconscious mind that holds these beliefs that hold us back from doing it. Mm -hmm. How do you get to what those beliefs are? Like, how do you, like, if I, if, if I know that I want to be able to walk into the studio and be a confident teacher, and I can at least say to you all of my fears, I'm afraid mm -hmm. people are judging me. I'm afraid I don't have enough experience. I'm afraid I don't have enough hours of training and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. How do I then go to the level of my beliefs or my hidden beliefs that are driving me to attach to those negative thoughts versus someone who doesn't have those negative thoughts and just walks into the room and teaches confidently? How do I get to like if my father told me when I was growing up, oh, you're never going to be good at science. And now that's blocking me from learning anatomy. Like, how do I get to that? Okay, so that's a great question. Um, I would say, um, okay, so like how I go about, there's a different, a few different ways that, that I go about pinpointing limiting beliefs. But one of the ways is basically getting, and this is pen and paper for everyone right here, right here, you know, but it's like writing, okay, I want to step into teaching, you know, confidently yoga, but I feel like I can't because, and then just write all the things that come to mind because this, because that, because like blah, all the things, right? And then I would say from those thoughts, there's some, there are going to be some, some thoughts that are like more, um, I would say, you know, I always like qualifying from zero to 10. It's like, how much do you believe from zero to 10, each of these thoughts? Okay. And there's going to be some of those that are going to really stick out. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I believe this is a, as a 10, as a 10, you know, or it's like, oh, actually no, like, let me just actually work through these, you know, consciously, you know, and like challenge these thoughts it's like is it really true is it really real you know is it is it useful to have these thoughts like oh no probably okay probably not perfect let's just like write different thoughts that may be more empowering or more neutral right and then from there you know like you go and practice that right as much as you can and those are like that's a quick shift that people can have and those are that's a quick that quick way to just and like uncover things that you may be thinking, believing, feeling, right? Then I would say if like somebody goes and does that and they still go back again and again into one of those thoughts, it's like, oh yeah, but this, but this, you know, like there's like a bat, like a big bat, bat type thing, you know, that is always like, oh, but, but I'm not good enough because blah, 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 you know, type thing. And they continue to go back to that one. That's where... I say, okay, this may be a like deeper belief, you know, that you need to work through. And what I would say, and what I recommend is like, basically they can imagine, they can go back to experiences in the past that may have created that belief. It's like, when did I learn this about myself? You know, yeah. what like, what created this, this belief that I cannot do this because X, Y, Z? You know, like when have I felt like this before? You mm -hmm. know, and from the moment of now, what they can, what they can um, 
what they can do is the experience that, that I walk you guys through, right? It's like selecting two to three experiences that are more recent where they have felt really competent, really confident, you know, like teaching something. It doesn't have to be yoga. It can be something else, right? And just going back and forth from those ones. It's like, okay, perfect. These are the experiences that I had in my past, you know, that made me that made me believe that X, Y, Z. But here I have these other experiences, you know, where I have learned something new, where I have felt confident, where I have put myself out there, or like I have learned something that I didn't know before. And then I have, you know, like really achieved and excelled at something, right? So I would say that that's like a, a way of like transferring, you know, whatever yeah. it is that you learn in these positive experiences where you have felt accomplished and confident and everything and just transfer how you felt in the past to yeah you know like basically to this idea of like okay I made it through I am not there anymore you know and this is not true anymore it's a part of it's it's, a, it's in the past and this is my new self right the the self that is accomplishing things learning things that has really gone from maybe not knowing anything to knowing what I know right now, right? Uh, mm -hmm. From wanting to achieve this goal and to actually achieving it, you know, and you have the evidence that you have done that in the experiences that are more recent. If that makes yeah, sense. I think that exercise of just writing down all the reasons why you might think you can't do something well, or you can't be confident as a yoga teacher is kind of a scientific exercise that I don't think a lot of people tend to think of doing because we sort of are all in our reaction mode. So we're sort of like in that mind drama, just letting oftentimes that part of us drive our actions even, or in these situations where we're bumping up against feeling like we're not doing a good job or we're not moving towards our goal or whatever it is. So I really like that you said, even if you just, even for the listener, if they just start out with that one step of just writing down, well, what are all the reasons? Yeah. I think that can be definitely valuable. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. And then the whole idea of, well, what are other experiences you've had where you operated differently than this, where just like you said, yeah. we're, we're able to teach something well, even if it wasn't yoga per se, maybe you work at a job where you had to teach somebody who was a new employee and you yeah. taught whatever you know. So I think that that's, that's really, that's great. What, um, what about the idea of how much you want it? Because sometimes I sort of feel like there's that variable of, I don't know if desire is the right world word because desire makes it sound like it's a nice to have, like that, that idea of, let's again, just take the example of the yoga teacher. I know I want to be a confident teacher. I know I want to have certain skills and I can identify these experiences I have where I go into the studio and I feel all of these negative thoughts. I can list out what I think is preventing me from being that confident teacher. But then when I see an opportunity to change my beliefs, to improve myself, to learn what I need to learn to get that dream outcome, 
I'm afraid. And, mm -hmm. and I often see this when I talk to teachers about working with me one-on-one -on -one, and I talk about working with me in my program and they'll get to the point where we're in complete sync. Mm -hmm. I understand what their limits are, their limitations, their limiting beliefs. We've worked through in conversation, either on the phone or through email, the skills they want, the beliefs they have. And then they'll get up to the point where it's like, okay, are you ready to move forward? And they'll say no. And I'll know that the reason they're sharing isn't really the reason. And I want to look at this not through the lens of like, how do you connect with someone to encourage them to take that step forward? I want to look at it. And I, and I don't really want to bring in money at all as a variable. I know that that can sometimes be a variable why people say no. I want to look at it more through the lens of this belief issue. If I really want something, is that what I need to have that urgency, that desire in me that will allow me to push forward through these fears? Or is it something else that I need to have to give me what, like the energy to push that boulder or to whatever metaphor you want to use? Got it. Okay, that that's a that's an amazing question because this is something that actually I have wondered a lot. It's like what does make someone, you know, like some people really figure it out, right? And just push yeah. everything and just go through like whatever is whatever it takes, even if it's scary, even if like it's uncomfortable, right? right? And some more people just get paralyzed and just stay in, in paralysis. Yeah, and even like you can even think about in your work with with clients, like are there certain techniques that you've used to like support someone as you're sort of seeing their ability, but they're not seeing it in themselves? And you're like, are there things that you're doing with the clients you work with to kind of keep nudging them forward to believe in this part of themselves that's the higher self? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, definitely there's like a lot of things that, that we can, yeah, that we can do to like continue. I think that the biggest thing is that understanding and being okay with not being good at it in the beginning. You know, ah. the big, the biggest thing is like your first class will be the worst class that you will teach and it's okay, <laughs> you know, yeah. like even the most advanced teachers, the most like experienced teachers had to start from not being good at it, not being the best at it, right? Not being who they are right now. And I think I think there's a lot of things that come to mind. It's like first, like not comparing your number or your day number one, you know, or your class number one with somebody else's like class number 100, you know, right. because even after 10 classes, you know, you like, people, even after three classes, they will feel the difference because I remember my own journey, right? And it's just, it's just getting over that bump and just knowing that it gets better really fast, actually. It doesn't even have to take forever, right? In terms of like their ability and everything. But I feel like this is very person, like person dependent because it depends on what exactly is holding them back, I would say. So those are the two things that come to mind in terms of like motivating people. And also I will say, it's like, I always think about, this is kind of like, I don't know, like older, but I always think about my deathbed, you know? And it's like, am I gonna regret not doing this? Mm -hmm. You know, because 
the reality is that you're not taking the chance to just at least trying and putting it out there basically can result in regret you know and they always say you know how the the pain of regret of not doing something is way higher than the pain yeah. of failure you know of like and failure is like how are you define failure because also like what is failure as well right like it's like such a construct right it's like oh it didn't go like I wanted like I decided in my head randomly that it needed to go right somebody can go to their first class and say this is my first class and it may suck and it's fine you know and then they just put their expectation threshold so low that it's like okay perfect it's like I'm just learning right it's like here I go second class I'm just learning <laughs> you know yeah. I'm getting better class after class right Yes. And with that mindset, then, you know, like they're not expecting like to be, you know, the, the advanced yoga, yogi or like te yoga teacher, right? They're just like, I'm just learning, you know, I'm here to learn and we all have to start somewhere. And I want to become better at this. Like every hour that I put in every class, I'm getting better, you know, and with that mindset, they just take on the challenge, right? But also I always like thinking about, am I going to regret not doing this, right? Because, and what is going to be higher? you know that the pain of like not doing it and just looking back and and just knowing that I could have changed other people's lives and I and yeah. I chose to like the to and I basically let the let the fear win type thing yeah. right and I also say that a lot of these issues and this may really help people a lot of these issues that we face about like how am I going to look how am I like if I am going to make a mistake and whatever it is it's basically putting the light on ourselves one thing that has allowed me to just put myself out there is that I am not doing this for me I am doing this for the person on the other side that needs this class that needs this message that needs to hear from someone else that is not the people that are out there already you know that that I don't know word of encouragement or like that class or that I don't know lesson or something that I am bringing in right it's like that person that maybe is just like oh if she can do it I can do it I don't know just like whenever we stop focusing so much on how we are gonna like not look good or why how we may may make a mistake and just really almost selfishly you know like only focusing on ourselves and we start shining the light onto why am I even wanting to do this probably because I want to change people's life and because some or yoga teacher taught me yoga and it was the most magical experience and I want to create that experiences for our people and impact the, the life of our people um, positively and I know there's so much stress in the workplace right and this is like a, a I don't know a breath of fresh air for someone that is stressed you know and I want to be able to hold space for people to have a good time you know or like a relaxing time right yeah totally when you said in the beginning um people get into teaching yoga oftentimes because it really helped them or it transformed them in some way, or it impacted them in some way. And nine times out of 10, when you ask someone, why did you go to teacher training, your initial yoga teacher training, they'll say, because I was so transformed by yoga that I want to share it with other people. So it's interesting that you could have, you know, teachers can have that experience and they can rationally explain it. And then at the same time, really um kind of 
let all these fears, I mean, I know why it happens. It's just when you just sort of objectively look at it, it's like, wait, just like you said, it's not about you. It's more about you helping other people. And that sort of changes the balance between the two ends. And now it's more weighted towards them. And they're not even really judging you or thinking about you. They're thinking about them and how your yoga is impacting their body and how they're experiencing your class on the mat. So I like that. It sort of reminds me of taking a selfie versus turning the camera the other way. Like instead of taking a selfie at yourself, turn the camera to landscape and look out at the class and focus on them rather than focusing on you. It's hard to do in the beginning. I think over time, like you said, it, 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 it comes with loosening that attachment to having the focus be on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to, um, before we wrap up, I want to see, are there, I, I love the idea when you said about visualizing and we can, uh, you know, explore that a little bit more. I'm just thinking, are there other tools that you share with your clients that you want them to do on a regular basis to sort of, keep these channels clear in the mind and keep keep aware of when we're operating below the line versus or whatever operating in a way that's really serving ourselves the best possible way yes actually there is this is what i was gonna say in in, at some point in the beginning it's like i love tapping eft tapping you know emotional technique as a way to release the stress and anxiety of performing in whatever way shape or form yeah i I used to be absolutely terrified petrified of public speaking like i literally would just like die every time i had to like even think about doing it not even doing it but just think about anyways just doing it and i was able to overcome that basically with tapping and uh, just going, uh, you know, through like the points and and doing that, that will alone help so much. And basically, they will only have to. Um, and this is something that I can like provide also. Like basically, they they only have to go through like the the tapping points as they imagine like teaching the class. Okay. The stress that that feels, the fear, whatever it is that they're feeling, you know, whatever they're thinking, you know, they just tap on all the different points and that automatically relaxes the body so they can do a much better job because the body is just calm and grounded and and so that's what I when somebody like any one of my clients you know have had to like face fear continuously in public speaking interviews social media whatever it is like tapping is the best friend and I usually I have like inside of when I work with someone I have a portal where they I have a tapping class you know and like they just use the tool for whatever they want in between sessions, you know? So like, so yeah, so maybe that's something that I can, um, uh, I can like give like kind of like a PDF, you know, with the tapping points. Sure. So your people can like just know exactly what what to tap, you know, and as they are going into the classes. So I think that could like actually really uh, help them. That would be great. Yeah. Especially because for someone who is experiencing a lot of these fears, if you're teaching two or three times a week, you're, you're constantly being faced with these. So tapping is such a portable thing you can do as you're sitting in your car, before you go into the studio, you can kind of do it 
you know, very easily on the road before you go into the class that actually along yeah. with a deep breathing would be, would be great. So mm -hmm. can you, um, tell people how they can find you on social media? Which platform are you most on and directing people to? Yes, I am basically mostly on Instagram and okay. my handle is at I am Diana Sophia and Sophia is like with an F of Frank. So it's kind of like a curveball for everyone, but it's basically yeah. I am and then Diana is like D-I-A-N-A -A, and Sophia is S-O-F-I-A. Got it. Okay. And it, they can like, yeah, ask me any questions, whatever it is. I Yeah, it's like all these tools can really help people overcome and feel better when they are performing. And I feel like they're incredibly useful to put our, our gifts into the world. So absolutely. And one other thing, um, I think the Instagram is great. You also work with clients. How do you do that? If someone's listening and they're thinking, wow, I'd really like some more intensive work on this sort of thing. How, how, how do they do that with you? Yeah, so like on my Instagram account, like in the link in bio, there is a, a link uh, to a cal my Calendly. And basically I just work, I prefer meeting with people one-on-one, -on -one, like a, as a free consultation first to understand what is that they're facing and how can I better help them and make sure 100% that I can help them and see if, they're, if we are a good client coach match. And that's what I do. I work one-on-one on one for people with people right now. And in the future, I hope I have like more kind of like group containers uh, that where I can work with more people than just one at a time. But right now that's, I love diving deep with people. So oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. So they can just go to the link in bio on your Instagram. Yeah. Yes, okay, that's the best place. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Diane. I'm so glad we had this chance to sort of piggyback off that other training I was in that you were leading and now you're on the show. And I just think this is such a wonderful kind of action-based, like you gave us things, you gave me things to do, the listener things to do to help with this really important topic of discussion for teachers. So I want to thank you again for your time. And, you know, here we are recording on Monday. This will actually go live a week from today. So Perfect. I'll be sending you the link um, a week from today. And I'm super excited to share it with, with everybody else. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much for the opportunity to just like share these with people. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's like my absolute pleasure. It's such an honor. And thank you so much again. Of course. All right. I will talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And the fact that you're still here and still listening is not lost on me. So thank you so much. Couple of things. If you have any questions, please contact me. Send me what your questions are directly to my Instagram DM. You can find me there at Bare Bones Yoga. The next thing I hear so much from yoga teachers that they want to be confident. They want to feel more confident. They don't want to have that nervous feeling in their stomach when they get up to teach. They don't want to stumble over their words. They want to create sequences fast and not spend so much time writing out their sequences and practicing their sequences. And they so much want to just walk around the room rather than being tied to the mat and practicing the entire sequence with their class. If any of this hits home for you and you want 
to develop into a more confident, authentic teacher in the next 30 days. I want you to DM me, confident teacher, heard it on the podcast, and I will show you exactly how you can get there. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you on the next episode.